guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex, where we change the way we talk about money. So this isn't the episode I planned on releasing. Um, That was actually before the world as we all knew it changed and hopefully it's changing for the better because I can't believe in 2020 we are still here in this place fighting for equality Um, across the country and even the world. So many people have taken up the fight for the equal and humane treatment of my community, black people. Like many of you guys, I've spent much of my time sifting through tweets and Instagram posts, watching videos of the protests happening across the country, and it's just a lot for me to take in, and I'm just sad. Personally, I've been struggling with not going to the protests that are happening here in Atlanta. I just didn't think that it would be the most useful place for me to be. Um, I have anxiety, so being around large crowds just freaked me out, and I really just didn't think that I would be doing anybody any good by going to a protest. So I wanted to think of a way that I could still be a voice and still advocate for my community and my people, and I think, you know, I have this little platform, so why not use it? But I do want to take some time to thank every single protester who's out there on the front lines, risking their lives um, for us. You guys are honestly real-life heroes, and I don't even think that, like, a million thank yous would be enough. Like, I don't know. Like, you guys just need, like, all the praise, and um, thank you guys so much for doing what you do. I, I couldn't be more grateful. But before we get started, I do encourage every single person listening to this podcast right now to watch the movie Just Mercy. I watched it on YouTube for free. Um, The film stars Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. I was weeping the entire movie, and I'm sure John was so embarrassed, even though it was just us two, to have me, like, ugly crying on his shoulder. But, I mean, that movie was just... I mean just go see it. Please go watch it. So I think that if there's absolutely one thing that everyone should be doing during this time, it's educating themselves. And so with that being said, let's get into today's episode. So when things first started happening, I remember reading so many tweets proclaiming Atlanta to be, you know, Black Hollywood, the Black Mecca, pretty much like a hub of black greatness and it's just a place where black people are thriving and money is flowing and you know T.I. even called Atlanta Wakanda. I didn't watch his speech. I did see a snippet of it on Twitter and I mean like the way he walked off you would have just thought he just dropped like the biggest bomb like he just blew everyone's minds and it was really funny seeing everyone roast him on Twitter but That's for another day. So I found these statements to be very interesting because personally, when I'm driving through the city or walking to work, I see people living in straight up poverty. Um, I've seen people living under the bridges. I've seen people with tents under the highway. I've seen people dig through trash cans looking for food or scraps to sell. So to me, I'm like, what exactly is going on here in Atlanta in regards to wealth? For a few years now, Atlanta has taken home the title of city with the highest rate of income inequality. You may be wondering what exactly does that even mean, so here it is. 
It means that there's a rather large gap between the city's richest residents and its poorest residents. So according to an article I read in WABE, the top earners in the city made 20 times more than lower earning residents. To put that into perspective, the lowest 20% earned on average $9,400 a year, while the top 20% of earners made over $200,000. And not to mention, there really isn't much of a middle class in the city of Atlanta because a majority of the middle class live in cities outside of Atlanta. They live in the suburbs. So back in the 90s, there were plans to entice middle-class residents, both black and white, back to the city. But that plan was abandoned once the mayor at the time won his re-election. How exactly did this huge gap in income come to be? Well, back in the 60s, a little something known as white flight happened. When it became law for schools to be made integrated, white families decided to move out of Atlanta and to other surrounding cities. About 150,000 people left Atlanta, which was around a third of the city's population at the time. When the white families left, black families moved into the vacated homes. They oftentimes had less income and less opportunities for work. What also didn't help was the refusal of MARTA, the city's public transportation line in those newly created cities. This continued the ideology of segregation and kept black people away from job opportunities. Decisions of the past have clearly influenced the lives of the present. So even though the black community is the largest community in Atlanta, we make up over half of the city's poverty population. So that's a lot of people. Because of income inequality, many Atlantans aren't able to own homes, and owning a home is one way people are able to build wealth, as we all know. Developers who come to the city, they're not really motivated to build houses for low-income families, because where's the money in that? According to a study conducted by the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, Atlanta had become the fourth fastest gentrifying cities between 2010 and 2014. The Federal Reserve Bank of America defines gentrification as this. An increase in college-educated individuals' demand for housing in initially low-income central city neighborhoods. So, those who are looking in from the outside may find gentrification to be a good thing. Crime rates drop, property value increases, and the quality of life for those living in the areas improve. But for residents who have spent their entire lives in a particular neighborhood, Gentrification means the risk of being pushed out of the only place they've ever called home. The same study came to the conclusion that gentrification doesn't have much of an effect on its residents, but honestly, I find that hard to believe. Right now, the mayor of Atlanta, Mayor Keisha Lancebottom, is pushing for more affordable housing in the city. Rent is around $1,400 for a one-bedroom apartment, which I believe is pretty accurate considering that we live in a one-bedroom, one-bathroom, and we're currently paying $1,380 in rent. So over 20% of residents living in the city make less than $25,000 a year. So if someone paying $1,400 a month for rent, their paycheck is basically gone before they even see it. Currently, the plan is to build 20,000 affordable homes across the city by 2026, and money for this project, which is estimated to be about a billion dollars, 
will come from various avenues, both from public and private sectors. It's clear that in this city, money talks. And for those who don't have an abundance of it, they're kind of just discarded and expected to move and make room. When I was doing research for this episode, I honestly, I learned so much. And I know that I may not be able to change the world, but I can change myself. Right now, I believe that the best thing for our community is to band together with our dollars. Like I said, money talks. And it forces people to listen. Making money moves that are smart now will only put you in better situations in the future. Personally, once we're out of debt, I'm going to allocate extra money towards the financial education of people in my community. Specifically, the black community. If, you know, I'm just being honest. So, what are you going to do? How will you change yourself and in turn change the world as you see it? Until next time, see ya.